podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. to a new week on the five-year plan podcast it's one of our worst yet i think i'm joe walker your host that's pulled the short straw today after palace hold four at st james's park um with me for episode 495 today one of the brave few to make the trip and surprisingly looking in one piece on this on this zoom call edmund brack for the south london press how was that journey can you break us down brackers Oh, where to begin? Um, first of all, thanks for having me back on as always. Um, got to King's Cross at around nine o'clock. Uh, the 9.14, I believe, disappeared from the board. Turns out it had left without them telling us they had left. So uh, you make your way towards platform nine and tens or you know, not to four. I can't remember off the top of my head, but just to have a look and see if there were actually any trains and if they were going to be going. And then spent close to an hour and a half packed in like a tin of sardines around random people, people cheering for trains to Hull, trains to Leeds. It was, it was the first time actually I'd ever heard anyone wanting to go to Hull so it was a bit of a surprise but um it was uh, it was an experience that's for sure was it worth it uh probably not but it was uh, it was interesting I had to commit fraud to uh, to actually get onto the train I had <laughs> basically Matt Wiesnam Matt Wiesnam and I from the Athletic um went through the barrier and I ran towards the train to Aberdeen and he ran to the actual train that was stopping at Newcastle and when I came back round to platform four to try and get onto the train, uh, I was told that the train was full up and I wasn't going to be allowed back on. So using my uh, my gen- journalistic head, I whipped out a WhatsApp conversation to show Carriage uh, Jay. I said, my brother's on this train. I'm going to need to get on because we're going somewhere together. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> thankfully, the, the very nice train man uh, let me on. And um, I got to witness a... Uh, interesting performance from crystal palace at st james's park but it's uh it's character building that's for sure i, I feel i feel a better person having having gone so yeah in, an interesting start to the day and at least it was on professional business as well you, you, yeah. you can kind of lean back on that uh I, I was saying beforehand jack i don't know if you saw they i think they announced that king's cross was closed for the day during the game and i thought there's a whole end there that probably might find that out at half past five, six o'clock, realising they can't get back to King's Cross. Uh, how was it in the end feud? Where did you end up having to go on that train home? Me? Oh, sorry. Yeah, uh, yeah c- coming back was fine. Yeah, no problem at all. Um, yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was fine. I walked from the ground after Roy's presser. Um, very, very quick walk back to the train station. Got to experience the nightlife of Newcastle, which was interesting. Um, and yeah, it was very, very swift journey back. It was, it was, it was fairly easy to be fair. I can't, I can't complain about that whatsoever. But okay. just the, the going was, uh, was, was, um, was interesting. That's for sure. It's something I won't forget in a long time. Well, salute to you and, in fact, everybody that made their way up there and managed to do it because even the day before it looked like it was uh, going to be a no no chance for a few people. So, mm. very admirable. Um, joining us both, by the way, for your latest introduction on the pod, uh, the 
I keep trying to do a little analogies for us. Uh, they're getting clumsier and clumsier as we go along. But I'm thinking the Sam Johnston to my Dean Henderson, Jack Pierce. <laughs> Hello, mate. On what grounds? On what grounds, my friend? I don't know. We, we, we're both, we're both, we're both deputy tires, and uh, we're both, nice. we're both filling in nicely. I felt I, when, when I checked the rotor for the for who's hosting, I did feel for you, mate. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I've been lucky enough. I've had three wins. So, yeah, I, I feel a bit bad at the moment. I, I, maybe you're right. Maybe I am the Sam Johnson at the moment. You've had the bad luck, Dean Anderson. But your time will come. Your time will come. And more, more said that Selzy loves us both, or so I'm told. So, yes, yeah. Yeah, that, that's, that's, what it's, uh, that's what it's all about. I'll tell you what, that's a, that's enough to, to put anyone off ever going away from home, following Palace, isn't it? That that doesn't sound fun. I, I I said to you both before we started recording, I did flirt with the idea for about half an hour last week of of going because it's a ground that I've not done. And three o'clock kick off on a Saturday. I, I, I was looking at the ways I could have done it, and then other stuff kind of got in the way of of, of actually going ahead with it. And I have to say, I, I feel like fortune's been on my side with it. But <laughs> anyone that went, Edwin included, Selzy included, Matt Woosnam, name everyone that went. Kudos to every single yeah. one of you. And. I suspect you may all get mentioned in three, two, one. <laughs> yes, that. But it has been a fruitless ground for us. I think we've only won it. We won in lockdown, right? The gyro, gyro long ranger. Mm. That's about it. I don't. I, I can't remember the last time we did. We did really flourished up there in the like in the ten years we've been here. But there's probably well, a win in there. Just shows last season's two nil nils in the league and the nil nil in the in the league cup. Even though we went out in them. Um, to penalties, two good results, but yeah, we'll, we'll get onto it. But that was a bit of a reality check. Yes. Um, before we get into that, I'll just quickly remind everyone that FYP this season is sponsored by Green King Sport, where football's more than a game. It's a great time to be a sports fan right now. Palace aside, the Premier League's back after the international break. There's the Cricket World Cup and the Rugby World Cup as well, which is drawing to a close this weekend. And to celebrate, Green King want you to know that they are giving you, the listener, 20% off drinks an hour before, during, and then after the sport that's on telly in a Green King pub for you. That's an offer running until this Sunday, the 29th. So that includes our televised match against Spurs on Friday night. That's 20% off drinks an hour before the game, during the game, and then after the game. All you need to do is download the Green King Sport app. Um, if you've not downloaded it before, by the way, you'll get a free welcome pint on top of that as part of the app registration. So head to the App Store, download the Green King Sport app and get 20% off your round and don't miss a minute of the Palace action on Friday. Okay, let's rip off the plaster. Newcastle 4, Palace nil. Jack, even in the context of missing players, calibre of opposition, form of the opposition, is that the worst performance of this second Roy tenure so far? I think of this tenure since, you know, mid-March, um, or 1st of April as it was, wasn't it? Um, you have to say it was. It's just everything about it, the the lack of threat going forward, the the constant barrage of, of our own goal, Um and just a general feeling of kind of disillusionment with the result and the performance. You know, you could talk about Newcastle's form, and it's it's probably right to set some context. They're a team that, you know, put four past Paris Saint-Germain just a couple of weeks ago before the international break. They're unbeaten in eight, have a very impressive home record. It's a club in a very good place at the moment, and clearly the home fans are getting right behind them at the moment. Uh, long gone are the days of Steve Bruce, but that, that was a, a sombering afternoon. Sombering, sorry, sobering afternoon for for Palace, and um, brought home a lot of the realities facing the squad. 
Um, you know, that in terms of injuries, the fact that Jefferson Lerma and Chet Decore both have to come back in, there's no other option but to bring them back in. And the fact that the two only only absences of, of great notes are Eberich Ezer and, and Michael Elise, but that team is crying out for at least one of them to come back in sooner rather than later. I know we'll, we'll get onto the Tottenham game and there is hope that Michael Elise may be part of that in, in some form, but my mind, that was um, a difficult afternoon. And uh, before we before we start recording, I was wondering whether this might be the shortest analysis of any Palace game we've done for a very, very long time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think Roy has quite evidently felt the strain of the situation, the tone of some of the pressers, and, you know, he's given a little bit shorter shrift than he even he normally would. But was that, Brackers, from your view... Did, but the the Wilson goal, especially for me, that was the first time I'd seen the players look like they were kind of getting the hump with the situation too. It was almost like a, I'm always nervous to say down tools, but there was some real kind of heads were down, which is a rare thing to say for this set of players uh, under Roy anyway. Yeah, one hundred percent. To me, to me, it felt like we gave up. Uh, Decore takes that limp shot at, at Nick Pope, who's fairly comfortable, and the lack of urgency to get back into positions, to get back into marking your your player, your runner. I mean, I think it was three, four, five passes, and it was a goal. Um, it was, it was the whole game was. was performance was pretty appalling and um, I don't think I don't think you can call it anything other than that that's the that's the worst I've ever seen Rory post-match in terms of not wanting to take any positives any sort of um, more, more glimmers, on that in a bit. Of <laughs> yeah, glimmers of hope from the game I think from the first minute from the first attack Kieran Trippier overlapped on that right hand side of his it, you could tell the tone of the afternoon where it was gonna where it was gonna end up for us it was it was very very poor um tactically sort of out of shape things didn't decore and lerma looked unfit uh they looked like they hadn't ever played together before and they looked a shadow of the sort of solid base that had formed before the injuries um it, it was a day to forget but i think the the reason why it's probably hurt a bit more than usual is because under Roy, we're competitive in every out- outing. We're very solid. Um, this team never looks like giving up. They're always in games right until the last kick. And even like the Arsenal game at the start of the season, you feel like we probably could have won that if we had a, a strong enough bench to, to really attack it. So um, outclassed all over the pitch and uh, a day to forget. I think it's going to be interesting to see how how the team bounces back because... Yeah, it was uh, it was it was it was very poor. There's, I think, I think one of the things that was highlighted in most of the sort of TV highlights and in and, and evening match of the day, but was every quite obvious to anyone watching the game was our left hand side being absolutely battered first half by a combination of Trippier, um, Longstaff, Murphy, all of whom score in that first half as well, and kind of they weren't. They were kind of good value for their three nil at halftime. It was it was it was that kind of situation. We'll get on to questions properly in part two, but there's a couple of questions in here about um just give we get the names right. Ian Terrell says, Do you think Roy's selection and tactics leaving Tyrick exposed with no cover contribute to the result? You've also got FPL Taxi saying, why did our management team think that giving Trippier free reign for 45 minutes would result in anything other than that disaster? Now, everyone can see it. Are, are you surprised that it took that long to be addressed um, in the game? Or do you actually look around and think, well, what, who have we got there to help out with the current 11 that we're putting out? 
And I don't know who I put that to both of you, really. Yeah, I was going to say. I think in terms of addressing it in game, I know I said that I know I said that the game was kind of over from that first sort of Kieran Trippier attack, but Newcastle were wasteful with the loss of their chances, and I was getting into it with sort of five minutes to go, thinking we're not out of this yet. We should be, and we're not. And it's remarkable that we're not. Um, so I think they're probably thinking, let's get it to half time, and we can address it then, and then properly attack the game in the second half. That turned out to be the wrong decision because, you know, two quick moments later in Newcastle are 3-0 up and the game's done. Um, it was, it was, was it an oversight perhaps? But, yeah, I think he was probably hoping that Odson Edward was going to help out Tyrant Mitchell a little bit more. And then having that base of Lerma and Decore back was going to be the, the bit that sort of protected that back five. Um, and Newcastle were going to find it really difficult to get through. But in truth, Newcastle's midfield three outrun and, and outfought our three. And uh, we tried to match them up a little bit in that area, and it and it left us quite short. I think what we saw on Saturday was perhaps the ultimate reality of what happened at Ellen Road in April when Leeds absolutely battered us. Could have been through and up half time, but we went in one one. And he said on Saturday we are three 0 down, and probably right. Well, the, certainly rightfully so. Um, and I mean Trippier is a very good player. Whether or not you can say that he is the sole reason why they've dictated the game in the way they have from right back, I don't know. But the fact that everything came down that, you know, Palace's left-hand side probably suggests that that is the case. Um, I mean, mid-half, you, as a as a manager, you can make changes, but then that throws everything you've planned for the for the previous week, um, chucks everything out. So, especially yeah. for we are really especially at one nil down, especially at yeah. one nil down. And you know, and we're very second. We've always been a second half team under Roy. Both spells, haven't we? Yeah, we sort of yeah. conserve a lot for the second half. So, so you, you can see how he would leave it. Yeah, you could say he could have rolled the dice and and changed it with with half an hour gone. Um, we could have been two or three down before they actually went two or three. You know, Gordon hits the post, and there's some other things that just flash across the the post. I, I don't remember seeing a goalkeeper pinned to his line as, as many times as Johnston was. The delivery, the quality of delivery into our box was superb by Newcastle. And you do have to remind yourself that they play very, very well. But the fact that we kept getting kind of hammered down the same side, I think it's fair that, you know, you could put criticism at the coaching block and why didn't we change anything? But equally, when you're 1-0 down until the 44th minute, do you want to go and make changes which might actually weaken our kind of structure that they worked on? Albeit that some of those players, you know, two centre-halves in particular, had only been back at, at Beckenham for a couple of days after international duty. And again, you could question whether that had um, any any factor in the performance. But the fourth goal was the worry for me. You know, the game's gone by the point we're 3-0 down. But the ease at which they carved through us and, you know, we've given a lot of praise to Joachim Anderson so far this season, rightly so, but that was not a good look no. for that fourth goal. That that was pretty shocking. And, um, you know, what Wardy kind of strolls into into the camera angle, just kind of his hands up being like, what the what the fuck was that? Like that yeah. it was not a good goal to concede and um, really disappointing. Um, to, to kind of concede a fourth goal like that. Lovely move from Newcastle's perspective again, but the ease at which the team carved through us. If we scored that goal, I'd be thinking a combination of both. That's a lovely goal, but equally that is so easy to carve through us. So to concede a goal like that, you, you have to focus as a Palace fan on, on what a bad goal that is to concede. But it, you know the game's gone by that point, but you still want to see players... Um, you know, fighting every sinew to, um, in, a, in a Palace shirt. And you just said to that point, the game had kind of gone from some players' perspective. It, it's a single jerk of Madison out there, he's by no means the only player that had a bad game on Saturday. Yeah. But for a player that's been playing so well so far this season, to see him 
so human <laughs> in, yeah. in an instance uh, was quite surprising. But both him and Mark Gay had very difficult afternoons. Uh, Chet DeCore and, and um, Jefferson Lerma weren't really there. You can see that they've both been kind of managing injuries over the last few weeks. And it's that lack of options. That's the lack of alternative that, that the manager had to call upon. Those, those players picked themselves, basically. And I, I, I listened to Selzy on the post-match this afternoon. And um, his point is fair, even when Ebbs and, and Michael Elise come back, the team again still pretty much picks itself. Yeah. So, yeah, interesting times ahead, and it's uh, some sort of miracle that we're sitting 12th in the league right now. I have to be honest. Yeah, you, you mentioned about options there. There was a moment I think Newcastle did a quadruple change. They brought on Almiron, they brought on Isaac, they brought on. Um, I had it, I've lost it, but but all players that would start for us. All, all of them, and it was, and then we had one change, and it was Raksaki, and uh, you know, you call, okay, that's where we are right now. Um, but that, with the tie being over, you have the opportunity. I think we finished with Jez, um, David Ozo, and Matthias Franca on the pitch. Franca's debut, of course. But before we get into Roy's comments to you in the presser, Evan, um, Jack, what did you think of? His cameo, Franca particularly. Um, positive. You didn't, um, it wasn't you that made that compilation on Twitter. <laughs> no, Twitter the, the compilation which includes him making some quite basic errors, but yeah, yeah, yeah. you've got to seek the positive where there's where there's none to find. Um, I mean, we'll get on to Edmund's question. I, I actually didn't think Roy's answer was particularly unfair. I, I didn't think Franca was particularly um, fantastic. He showed a bit more going forward than um, than what had come before him. And he was actually on the pitch, which I think is the biggest positive. Yeah. Um, and I think he, he literally could have sat in the centre circle and there'd still be claims that he was a, a cut above the rest. So in that sense, it's great that he's played. It's good to see Jez have a, another okay spell. But again, didn't do anything that you'd be like, well, that guy is is, is ready for the first team. But, you know, as, as I said, compared to what had come before, they were certainly no worse. But the biggest positive is, is that Francho has, has played and is now fit to, to feature in the first team. But we'll come on to, to kind of uh, Edmund's interaction with the manager, which got a lot of commentary. Um, and I think uh, it'll be interesting to get the uh, the main man, uh, his thoughts on it himself. Yeah, that's right. I mean, Francho did, I mean, he took the corners and yeah. it's been yeah. pretty good. I guess if you were to they look were at the positives. They, um, they were decent. Yeah, and... Found if I felt he found a lot of space for for periods of that second half. He wasn't, as you say, there was a few misplaced passes in possession, and but you know it was it was nice that we had, you know, for what we've spoken about so far, which is actually defensive poor def- poor defensive performance and the midfield looking a bit sluggish. I thought our forwards were awful. They're probably the worst of the, could argue be to be the worst of the lot in terms of what they provided, what they protected, and so the contrast of that. Um, to France of being on and actually just kind of happy to have the ball and providing some respite, perhaps allowed the opportunity for people to get overexcited. But, Evan, you asked quite a fair, legit question, quite a safe uh, delivery to, to Roy about the performance of those three. And, I mean, how would you describe, because maybe, in, you know, I think people were looking for more reasons to be upset yes, uh, on Saturday mm. night. Um, in terms of how it was delivered to you, that that his answer, which is very much like, look, don't try not to assess this too much. We're four 0 down. If the, if you're going to say that he, they played well, I'm going to tell him not to look at it because yeah. Yeah, it's a bit much. 
how did you read it in the room? Yeah, it's exactly like that. I mean, I've I've seen Roy snap at people, and that certainly wasn't a snap at me whatsoever. It's um, you know, as a journalist, a Crystal Palace fan covering Crystal Palace, what a Crystal Palace fan is going to want to know about, and that's yeah. what did Roy Hodgson's make? What did what did Roy Hodgson make of Mateus Francis' debut? Um, he's right. You know, it's a, Newcastle made the flurry of changes, and in that flurry, it, it basically meant let's rest the good players for our Champions League game on Wednesday night against Borussia Dortmund, and give a few players a couple of minutes, and uh, get Sandro Tonali as sort of applause around St James's Park and stuff like that. Um, I think the the main sort of problem is is that after after a defeat like that, Roy does, isn't interested in playing the PR game for the fans. He isn't interested in in making anything sound better than it is because he's absolutely gutted at what he's just seen. That is the lowest I've seen him since he returned to the football club. Um, even when he had the list of injuries and and he brought the brought the list out to the press conference and he had all the names written down of, of the players that he couldn't have, even then he still had a smile somewhat on his face. He was absolutely deflated on Saturday. Um, he wasn't interested in being in that press conference whatsoever. Um, I think he just wanted to to go back and, and analyse what had just happened. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't take any problems whatsoever with what he said to me. It's fine. He's right. You know, it's it's a cameo against Newcastle. And it, at the end of the day, when we rem- remember what Mateus Francher and Jezre Ratsaki have done for Crystal Palace, hopefully in the not in the few years' time, we're not going to look back at this day and think that it was the sort of main catalyst for it all. So yeah, it was. Uh, it's a fine comment. It's, it's one I expected anyway. Yeah, you like you like to think that people that are playing under his management or take it, being coached under his management would know that too. It's easy for me to say that from this side, but you'd like to think that Jez. David and Mateus are not going to take that to heart in the way that some Palace fans have found it odd. Oh, you, Jack, you, you, you hopefully they're just going to kick on and appreciate the minutes. Not quite sending him a bottle of wine as he suggested Brandon Pierrick should do at Anfield, but you know, I, that it was it's it was great that they could get some Premier League minutes. And the positive is that, especially with Mateus, he's back and we can finally have a look. I, I suspect neither player will ever know those comments were said <laughs> yeah. in the kindest possible way to Edmund and his work. I, I presume the players, you know, they, they've gone about their their work as we do with with work, and they probably switched off after the after the game, travelled home, and, and had some time to prepare for the following week. Um, he will speak to the players separately. Surely he won't he he won't be thinking that they'll be relying on on comments in a, in a press conference. Um, and he is his job as manager to kind of maintain their enthusiasm and momentum that Jez in particular has shown since um, since he's had his his cameos and and move Francer into a more prominent role within the squad as he gains fitness and, and minutes too. So yeah, I think it's 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 one of those things that people that want to throw something at Roy have thrown at Roy. Yeah. Um, but but truth be told, um, it wasn't as bad as people made out. It was probably a fair comment. And the man himself who asked the question is, is really not bothered by it. So, yeah, yeah I, I think it's it's one of those things that, you know, just when the mood's low, people look to kind of keep the general discourse around that level just to kind of keep the, the mood going. But I, I saw no issue with it and I would fully expect there to be no repercussions from, from those comments whatsoever. Um, and I think both will feature this coming Friday night against Spurs um, in what capacity we'll see. But yeah, I, uh, yeah, <laughs> think, think, think it's, yeah, I think it's done now in, in terms of those. Totally. And, and 
I think the idea, I know there's this kind of chat about Roy's relationship with young players and doesn't want to play them. When when the, when the praise is warranted, he is normally actually the, right there. I mean, his the way he spoke about Jez after the Forest game in terms of mm-hmm. I inco- explaining, look, I, I trying to make a case for him that now that you weren't able to go on loan, you're probably the best place you want to be for kicking on. And also just being quite frank about Francois before the game and saying, we've only seen him at Flamengo, so really... We'll have before I kind of put anything on him. Let's let's actually take a look at him in a Palace shirt, and uh, even suggested that there will be some under twenty three time that uh, that that they'll need to just to kind of give him more of an idea of what they're working with. Um, before we get into before we end part one, you, you said we'd, we'd fly through this. We have got a fair fair bit of chat, so apologies if people were hoping we'd skirt through this game quickly. Um, I just wonder if either of you had anything to say about. So I think I maybe Twitter's its, or X it's its own kind of football bubble, and I find like our strongest rivalry on there is with West Ham for some inexplicable reason. Um, however, Newcastle fans really showed themselves on this this weekend. There was a HF banner in the in the away end, essentially protesting or just saying the mask has slipped with regard to Newcastle's ownership. It's really state ownership. Um, and the, oh, the abuse that came their way. I think Newcastle fans are in complete denial about, it's like, it's like, la, 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 don't care. It's going well. I love my club so much. You must hate, you hate football, don't you? Uh, don't you know that your, your owners are American and based in this state? And that means they don't have to declare who they are. You don't even know who your owners are. Da, 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 da. So yeah, up yours. I thought you you won four nil. Just a strange thing. Does anyone have a comment on that? I just thought it was really weird. I found um I found that the, the discourse among Newcastle fans in the last eighteen months to be completely bizarre. This as you, you, you put it perfectly, the complete denial about the need for a conversation. Not even to dictate what the, the end result of that conversation is, but the, the sheer refusal to have a conversation about um the matters that kind of relate to the ownership of the club. Um you know, when we hosting the two international, I don't think it was the last international window, but the one previous hosting two Saudi Arabian uh, home international fixtures with with fans in traditional headdress outside the ground. It was completely bizarre. But actually, the bit that took my breath away about Saturday was the almost sheer celebration of Sandro Tonali. Um, yeah, again, completely bizarre. Um, you know, misplaced as far as I'm concerned. Um, we don't even, as far as I'm aware, we don't even know the outcome of what the investigation is going to be. But don't, um, yeah, don't, don't know the outcome. Don't know whether, as it's, it's kind of, they, they're hoping to. The, well, the bit, the bit that the comfort is, they're suggesting, oh, if he's guilty of that, he must be a gambling addict, which. There's a there's two there's a two different things t- entirely, and they've kind of accepted that as an outcome in order to allow themselves to be sympathetic. We don't even know if that's the case, yeah. and yeah, being brought on for a kind of farewell performance and then sort of pushed out towards the crap Gallagher end yeah. up full time. Really was, strange. It was all a bit weird, Edmund. I don't know if you'd kind of left by that point for the for the press, but what, what does it look like from from inside the ground, particularly when he came on this kind of outpouring of love for. This, I don't know. I don't know how you'd even describe him, but this uh, this guy who there's a bit of a cloud hanging over, but it does seem to be a, a rather peculiar air about him at the moment. 
Yeah, I could tell from the first uh, time he left the, the bench to go and warm up that there was going to be a lot of Sandro Tonali chance uh, throughout the game. Um, I mean, some of the comments from the journalists, Newcastle sort of journalists after the game sort of saying, was that was that the the reception that he he wanted? Did that make him feel loved by the northeast sort of thing? It's um, it's a bit bizarre, but I guess it's the story, and you and you have to run with the story, whatever way it turns out. Obviously, if he if he does have an addiction, then I hope he can get over it because it's, it's it's very it's, 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 I guess it's one you can sort of mask well compared to, to other addictions. But um, yeah, if that was a Crystal Palace player, I'd be bitterly disappointed at at seeing that you could lose him for. You know, this is their first season back in the Champions League, and you're going to lose your summer marquee signing. That would, it, it's a bitter blow. So, um, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm not sure what the outcome's going to be. But it, if if the Italian Football uh, Federation are going to suggest the UEFA that he gets banned sort of, uh, worldwide, then yeah, it's uh, it's going to hinder Newcastle's season greatly. The only thing that was more, the only thing that could have happened would. He would have put a fifty-yard screamer in or something like that, just to kind yeah, of yeah. <laughs> badge and say goodnight for a year. But uh, yeah, totally weird air about Newcastle. I, I, yeah, can't really media darlings. There's the whole Eddie Howe thing again. There's a weird thing between him and Palace. He seems to have this. He was spoke very positively about and kindly about Roy Hodgson, but whenever he's kind of interviewed about Palace, it does seem to be someone between his teeth when it comes to us. And I'm not quite sure what that's all about. Maybe it's just something I perceive myself. But yeah, weird. Yeah, but yeah, just a, they're an interesting time. I'm sure they'll find money behind the sofa in January for a, another £70 million signing. So the sympathy is pretty low. All right, that's we've done pretty well there, I think, guys, for, for covering a Newcastle game. Yeah, have that Newcastle 4-0 winners at the weekend. Have that. Yeah. That. yeah. Um, so that concludes part one. We'll go through a couple of listener questions in part two. See you on the other side. to the five-year plan podcast sponsored by green king sport where football is more than a game now before we go through your questions um a massive well done to kevin jesse julian and andy for completing the palace for life marathon march for team fyp they raised three thousand seven hundred pounds which is our second highest amount ever raised for the march i believe the one that beats that is the one where john texter donated so it's kind of I think if you take that away, it might actually be be above that. So that's only down to the incredible generosity of you listeners, FYP followers. We cannot say thank you enough. The foundation have announced they have raised over £100,000 total and are knocking on the door of their record amount raised. That money will be invaluable to help vulnerable and young people across South London. Donations still open at justgiving.com forward slash fundraising forward slash FYP podcast 2023. I've got to say, it makes you very proud to be Palace. It made, I, I was I was really actually quite overcome when I saw that £100,000 marker hit. I don't know if it was the hangover that I, I was I was nursing at the time, but I, I, I've, I love what the Marathon March is. Not enough to have done it this year. I, 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 I bottled it massively after last year, but I know. I feel like this. What could be a very negative episode today? I feel like that deserves its moment, and we can just kind of pat yourselves on the pat, 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 pat everyone on the back involved because it's all good work. 
Absolutely. I think um, it's very much what we can hang the positive on this week. Um, £100,000 will make a huge amount of difference. I listened to the um, the, the pod extra that, that Rob recorded with the guys when he joined them for a, a part of the walk. And yeah, Andy Street talking about the the work that it's going to do in, in that part of the world, that even for those of us that don't live in the area any longer or have connections to it, still means so much to us. So, you know, to, to contribute financially as i know so many listeners did to, towards the efforts of, of the four guys is is fantastic and um hundred thousand pounds raised by everyone so anyone that did you know do the walk incredible um effort and um yeah that hundred thousand pounds will make a huge amount of difference to, to lots of people's lives yeah thumbs up everyone okay big thumbs up too to those of you that uh, sent in some questions after that newcastle result would have understand if you'd have just turned your phone off and thrown it against the wall so much appreciated um no, they, they, they would have waited to do that after five minutes of part one so, yes yeah. <laughs> um and i feel like it's fitting to begin with this this question sent in by um vt ebbs fan or their username is i got francer in low places okay uh, yeah <laughs> It sets a tone for the question, which is, okay. is, it ju- is it just me or was this loss actually hilarious? Especially the Mark non-clearance slash slip straight to Longstaff. Should Palace fans have more of a sense of humour about this? Now, do you know what? In the championship days, there would just be these freak weekends where you'd sharp to sell us and Scumfort would do us 4-0. I remember that very specifically. Sam Togwell scoring from 30 yards out, having could never get on the pitch for Palace. And you just go, what the hell was that all about? But we're still in the playoff run, and, and then we'll carry on next week. It doesn't happen so much in the Premier League. Are, are, are we able to? Are we able to take it in that humour? I guess it'd be easier for me or you, Jack, than someone like who's made the trip. A- anyone who made the effort <laughs> might not be thinking it's absolutely hilarious or, or whatever the question was. But um, yeah, I mean, you're right. The, there are sometimes weekends where results just kind of go the way they're they're going to go. But I think with this one, it's it's entirely predictable that we lost at Newcastle, a team that's you know, as I said, playing very well in the Champions League this season, has had incredible investment into their their playing staff over the last 18 months. It was more the nature of the performance. And I think while you can look at the first goal, for example, and be like, bloody hell, it's not your day, is it? When goals like that are going in, it was the kind of nature of the performance, which I think is is, is fair to criticise. So now I think there probably are reasons and, and root cause for more, more kind of uh, investigation into that performance than, than just kind of palming it off as, as a defeat. I guess a lot of that will depend on how we respond on Friday against Spurs, but we'll, we'll come on to that one. But yeah, let's ask Brackers, who, um, who was actually there. Edmund, was that day absolutely hilarious? <laughs> uh, I was not sat there at St James's Park press box laughing as the goals went in. Uh, in fact, that my head was in my hands when Gay slips and Longstaff was one on one with Sam Johnson. That, uh, obviously, I'm neutral in, in every situation, but uh, yeah, I was not best pleased with that. We've had a few. I've just been thinking about it. You've had a few of those games maybe in the Premier League where you just thought, "What has happened today?" The the seven nil against Liverpool, the the three nil against Burnley, where Matt Lowe has scored oh, an absolute bagger. From yeah, and I mean, you have to caveat it. Newcastle are a great team, great sort of solid foundation, and have some wonderful players, and they're doing very well in the Champions League. So, you know, if we got if we lost four nil to to prime sort of Arsenal, and they were just playing us off the park, you're not going to complain too much. I think it's just the the shock of it was that on the day. We have been very competitive since Roy Hodgson returned to the football club. No matter who we put out there, we'll go to Old Trafford with no players fit and we'll snatch a 1-0 win. And uh, just on Saturday, everyone was 
was was off the pace. It was uh, whether that's a culmination of international break, players going here, there, and everywhere, and not having the time to truly prepare for the game. Who knows? But you know, it's it's Rory, the coaching staff, of him and Ray Lewington are more than experienced enough to to find out what went wrong and, and truly bounce back from it. And uh, yeah, some of the players are going to learn a lot from that as well. Uh, Jez with his cameo is going to going to learn a lot. Francia will learn a hell of a lot from 20 minutes on a Premier League pitch. And that's massive for his his boost from return from injury. So um, yeah, it's it's just one of those days. They, they happen every now and then. You can't can't be too upset. I'm, I'm, I'm over it now. So yeah, on to Spurs. Edmund, can I ask you a question? It, like, watching it live, obviously the, the coverage focused very much on you know, Newcastle's attacks because that's where the ball was. But how ineffective were Alton Edward and, and Jean-Philippe Mateta in particular? Because watching it, and I've, I've re-watched elements of it, again, just to kind of get a sense of how ineffective they were. But mm. was it like playing with nine men, as, as some fans have kind of suggested it was? Were they as ineffective as, as perhaps you've seen either of them in, in Premier League matches, particularly this season? They weren't great. Yeah, it was quite pedestrian our attacking player. I won't, I won't sort of hide from it. I think the problem is, is when you set up with a midfield three of check the core, Jefferson Lerner and Will Hughes. Where's the creativity going to come from? It's not like we have overlapping fullbacks as well in Tyreek Mitchell and, and Joel Ward to deliver perfect crosses into them every time. It was there was one moment where Tyreek was getting down the left hand side a little bit when Trippier was being caught out of possession. I thought we have a chance here to try and sort of do a nice little route to goal. Will Hughes and Odson Edwards linked up well, but apart from that, it was just it was really lifeless going forward. There was no urgency. If we did get the ball, we'd run it into the channel and we'd have to turn back to look to to see who was there supporting us. And I know it's like the Selsey bingo sort of thing, but the, we have not got enough ball carriers in our in our squad. We have no sort of players at the moment who are 100% fit, who have that ready-made magic to to create something from nothing. Obviously, that's not Roy Hodgson's fault. That's a, a lack of deficiency in the, in the transfer market. And the squad is not good enough to compete week in, week out in the Premier League. It'll be good enough to compete with the teams who are going to go down. Sheffield United, Luton, Nottingham Forest, we should have taken more points from if we had a fully fit squad. Mm. Um, but at the moment, it's we're making do. And Roy even said himself he's not going to look at the games with the same level of optimism until Michael Elise and Ever Richie Eze are back. So we might have three three or two more games until until they're both fully, fully fit and available. So... It's a slog. It's been a slog to the start of the season. I think the main frustration for me is I look at it and think we, we've done okay. We, we've got a good number of points. Our defence before Saturday was very good. Yeah. And uh, where could we be if if we actually did want to support Roy to to what he can do with with a team like ours in the Premier League? You know, it's uh, feels often like we've missed a lot of opportunities. Yeah, I I feel like at the moment, given the circumstances that we're in. You'd really hope we're way more clinical at set pieces. The Old Trafford's a great example. That's where you're going to win games when we're in a situation that we're in, which is why two players actually I want to flag. One comes through. So Steve Richardson has asked any chance Mateta could actually score a header from a corner. I think first half, that's our big chance, isn't it? And one he should take. But, you know, I, I feel like the second half, there's a big chance. The game's gone at this point. Uh, Mark Gray misses a chance he essentially takes a touch to give himself time and let the defender pass and then skies it I think there's a parallel universe where Mark gets an extra four or five goals a season I think I, I, I don't know if it's confirmation bias or what 
Mark gets a lot of opportunities in the opponent's penalty area from set pieces and misses some real sitters. I, I, I think it's harsh, but I think he's excellent and it's not really what he's in the team to do, but he he misses some big chances, quite a few tasters across the season. His movement is excellent. His his, yeah. his movement in the penalty area is always in space. Um, but yeah, he, he does miss a few chances each season. The game against Old Trafford, he, he missed a chance, which you'd at least want yeah. him to hit the target before Joachim Anderson scored the, the eventual winner. But yeah, set pieces. And when, when your team, you know, as Evans just kind of detailed the 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 kind of viewpoint from the press box on, on Saturday was as how it looked to, to anyone watching from further afield. When you're as impotent moving forward as as we were during the game, you've got to take those moments. Um, but I always think that's such a harsh thing to say because obviously the pressure's on those moments. Yeah, you know, it's a real clutch moment. You've got to take it. You've got to make the most of it, which is why Jericho Manners' goal at, at Old Trafford was was so good because it, it maximised really the only opportunity we had. Um, kind of from then on, that that was the chance that we had in that game to to win the game. So. Yeah, I mean, if, it's good. if we are thinking if we are thinking that Mark Gay is the remedy to our goal scoring yeah. problems, then we've got problems. Yeah, that, that's yeah, I, I, that's, that feels suddenly very harsh. Um, I, I felt like if you're going to do some parade, Edward's free kick, which was very well saved by Nick Pope, it's a reminder there that with, with Ebbs and Michael Elise not quite fit, there is another very reliable free kick taker there who's probably been very down the pecking order for various reasons sometimes just about he's not on the pitch but that's a capable free kick taker there so there's always a chance that if we, if we can get the ball that far up the pitch we can get jordan drawing fouls a bit more centrally you know that that opportunity is there as well um i've got one more listener question because i think most of these were covered in the first part to be honest and kind of this one was slightly um this is from Paphos seven um hey Paphos. hey uh, johnston Gay, Anderson, IU, all internationals were very poor today, uh, referencing Saturday. Fatigue or coincidence? Um, I looked at the fixtures. Obviously, Johnson and Gay were on England duty. Uh, well done, Sam Johnson, by the way. I don't think we've had an episode since that Australia game. He was, I think, statistically the best player, but it's not necessarily going to catch the headlines. But it's brilliant for him. And there's talk of the Fabrizio Romano, talk of a mm. contract extension, which... I actually haven't got in the in the running order here. Do, do we do we quickly touch on that? Yeah, we might as well. <laughs> yeah, there's the suggestion that um, that Sam Johnson, after this kind of strange goalkeeper situation, looking like he was going to be pushed out by this Dean Henderson arrival, is set to sign. Or according to Morano, it was signed on the weekend, uh, a long-term extension to his Palace deal, and uh, I guess I would imagine a removal of the release clause that was a relatively sort of modest amount that, it, but the looks of it now, whichever goalkeeper is going to stay, whoever is going to go, is probably going to get us some decent money in. But wh- how, were you surprised to see that news emerge? Either of you? Uh, After the first mm, A little bit, but when you look at it sort of in the details, it's just a year extension. So it's probably like right. a pay rise, really. It's not... You know, it's not him committing his even longer-term future to the football club. Um, maybe they've taken out that release clause, but it, it, I don't think anyone could argue that it's not a well-deserved pay rise. He's been he's yeah. been excellent this season. He's been been absolutely excellent. And I think, bar Saturday, he was doing the basics really well. You know, coming for crosses, his kicking had improved, uh, his handling, shot stopping, in, incredible. Uh, and I think he, that pressure of having a world-class goalkeeper like Dean Henderson behind him has has pushed 
his sort of little further details even further on if that makes sense like I feel like he's doing he's doing everything really well and maybe he's feeling the pressure and it's making him perform to a high level and this is what squad depth and squad competition is about and that's why we don't have it all over the pitch if we had someone pushing Tyreek Mitchell every week maybe he might not uh, I mean, Saturday had to do the job of two men defensively, so I can't really argue that. But you know, sometimes you might not have that one performance where you're left slightly worried about him. Um, yeah, he's been excellent, and I, th- I think he has got the contract, the contract extension. So yeah, it's, it's thoroughly deserved. Yeah, Jack, you think? I, mean, I was going to say. I mean, uh, Edmonds has, has kind of confirmed what I, my thoughts were. It's, it's more the protection of an increasingly valuable asset. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. going into next summer, he's one year left in his contract, and he's perhaps playing the best football of his of well, his career. You know, it, it's he's, a, uh, he's an he's an attractive asset to another club possibly next summer. And as Edmonds um, kind of just updated us there on there, it effectively is a one year extension, which just puts a, an extra bit of dosh on on the asking price, perhaps. But who yeah. knows? Who knows? You, th- you think he's been a victim of? Some circumstance from the, particularly his first year here didn't quite work out in the way that he was probably sold to him. Um, but having, I think right now he is really benefiting all the time in all the circumstances elsewhere, and now playing the cards are now falling in his favor. He's like looks set to go to the Euros at this point with England, which yeah, is yeah. which is incredible, really. Well, if you think uh, there's there's only two more camps before the season finishes, and he's just started one of the two internationals, so um, it, it's a great place for him to be. And, and I, I guess um, I, I haven't heard any more on on Dean Henderson's um, kind of injury, but yeah, he, he really is among it. Aaron Ramsdale's not playing first team football for uh-huh. for Arsenal and, and yeah, he started um one of two internationals in, in the third from European Championships international break. So it's a good chance for him. Joe, if you don't mind, I just need to call out Jim Daly because in the pod extra he referred to an opposition player, namely Nick Pope, as Popey. And <laughs> I think we need to stamp this type of thing out. I, I think Referring to opposition players as fondly as that needs to be called out, and um, there's no place for it in modern day football. So that that's what I would say. Game's gone. Game's gone. Jeff. Game's gone. And I know I know there's connections with this podcast. I know one of the panelists on the pod extra, you know, has has huge amounts of fondness for him. And if and if Selzy had referred to Nick Pope as as Popey, I might have let it go. But for anyone else, it's not for me, Clive. Wow, strange. <laughs> but yeah, to, to circle back to that question, I know we kind of just. Stormed in with that Johnston news, but you've got Jen- Johnston, Mark Anderson played 90 minutes in a qualifier away at San Marino. Conceded I'm sure that's, well. uh, yeah, yeah, I was about to say, not, I'm sure it wasn't a huge workout, but they did concede San Marino's first, first goal they've scored in a few years. And it looked <laughs> like they really? celebrate, they celebrate like they won the World Cup quite understandably. Um, I thought, hang on, are they, sorry, countries like San Marino not scoring in the Nations League? I thought that was the whole point of the Nations League. I think them specifically are still not at that level. Oh, right. So the others, the others have really benefited from it, but I think they're still not great. They're not allowed uh, in. Yeah, but um, I think qualifiers-wise, outside the Nations League, they're still just miles off it. I think they have a fan group that's never seen them win, which is yeah. quite interesting. Um no, but yeah, you've got you've got Ander- yeah, you've got Anderson playing in games like that. Jordan Ayew was in the United States for a yeah. friendly, I believe. Chris Richards. Chris Richards was there too. You can understand in Ayew's case, fatigue being a part of it. But you know, I think I think it plays some part, but 
Cool. I mean, it was there were some players not on international duty who were playing pretty, playing pretty badly in that team as well. So but, I don't know how much to give it. Yeah, but they, but you could argue there were players in the Newcastle team that had been away with their countries and didn't have any impact on them whatsoever. <clears throat> I don't know whether the weather. Oh my, listen to me. I don't, know the, I don't know if the weather had an impact on the oh, travel up the day they, before. I don't know. Their if they preparations the might have been session. a bit freaky. Well, I mean, yeah. I did wonder whether they might have lost the Friday training session in order to get up there. I, I have absolutely no idea. But no, they um, flew. They flew up on Friday after the training sessions. So well, there you go. I, I imagine Mateus Francia stepping out at Newcastle Airport like cool running, so like uh, <laughs> absolute <laughs> shot for the poor lads. Entire suitcase on him. Yeah, wearing Stormed it all. And all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, if, I don't know, Joe. I, I think if we're starting to think the international break was the, you know, a, a big contributing factor, I think we're probably looking for excuses. But I did. It did beg the question. I was, I was flicking through Instagram on, I think maybe Wednesday last week, and Chris Richards posted on Wednesday a picture of him just kind of walking through Nashville. I'm just thinking, this is crazy. Like these guys <laughs> have got to be playing here in yeah. in 72 hours. I know Chris Richards didn't actually play, but it is. It's crazy that these players and are asked to do as much travelling as, as they are. And it's there's jet, there's jet lag involved from coming back from there surely, as well. Surely. And, and you know, it, it kind of extends beyond the international break, really, because in the first part I mentioned about Jefferson Lemmer and Chet Decore, like, ideally, neither of them are being rushed back to start. But we're actually seeing the most extreme version is they're both having to come back in and start. As good a job as Will Hughes has done in recent weeks, because of other absences, we can't even supplement... The absence of Lerma or Decore with Will Hughes. Will Hughes has to play as well as yeah. Chet Decore and Jefferson Lerma. So, international break, players returning from injuries. It's a bit of a perfect storm at the moment. That heaven knows what Beckenham looked like for the last two weeks. It must have been a bit yeah. of a ghost town, I guess. But yeah, it's it's a it's probably a factor. And and play and teams that have to travel away um, after international break, I think statistically have quite a shocking record. Um, and we were really at the wrong end of that. On there, there can't be many worse fixtures to have after an international break. I'm guessing than than travelling, you know, the breadth of the country. Yeah. Um, so that that concludes listener questions, and we'll jump into a quick part three for what might be the most difficult three two one of the season so far. See you in a bit. Five Year Plan podcast sponsored by Green King Sport, where football is more than a game. It's part three, which means it's time for three, two, one. This is a new game we introduced this season. Each of us bring forward uh, something or someone that we think is worthy of praise and points. And in between us, we rank them in order, ascending order. Uh, top gets three points, two, second gets two points, third place gets one point, and they're tallied up. Over the season, with the winner being the official five-year plan player of the season. If if it is a player, it might be someone else or something. Currently, top of the league is Jean-Philippe Mateta, uh, which we're trying to. It's st- it's still top, which is a head scratcher. We are we. It's essentially off the strength of the Plymouth hat trick and the cameo at Wolves, which kind of turned the game. But that it's that's how that's how bad that's how bad it's been that no one's really caught up to him yet and uh i'm interested to see whether he holds it for a, a further week today i think he might you know i, think, I genuinely the, think he might particularly with the candidates that are available for this week uh i'm gonna i'm gonna 
throw you a stinker, Jack, and I'm going to ask you to start with a, a suggestion for... Hey, look, you haven't thrown me a stinker. If, if you're throwing it to me first, I'm going to nick the only viable answer, which I think has to be the away end okay. on, uh, on Saturday. I think um, for all those that... You know what? Even those that tried to get there and maybe couldn't, I think anyone that had the endeavour to, to start that journey, whether they succeeded or not, uh, deserves a huge amount of praise, and that is proper... Um, proper dedication um, for the away end, um, away following. Um, so yeah, shout out to anyone who made the journey, um, and for the the stand from DHF in, in terms of the comment regarding uh, Newcastle's ownership. So yeah, shout out to anyone. Hope it was um, worth the journey in other ways. Hope there were some good memories, made some good laughs to be had. Um, you know, don't let the football ruin a good day out, as my cousin always tells me. So, yeah, yeah, um, the away end for me, Joe. Yeah, I, I do hope that a few, more than a few, made a night of it and or weekend of it and enjoyed <laughs> whether, themselves. Whether they intended to or not, maybe, yeah. uh, maybe the train network I made, uh, made some of that. When, <laughs> when you go that far north and away, Dad, I do love seeing the other clubs, either travelling or, or home fans, starting to join on that journey. Who, yeah. who else was who else was playing around then, Edmund? Who did you, you, see, you see Leeds, did you? Mm, I know Leeds were in Norwich, weren't they? Hull. On the way up, it was Southampton going to Hull. Uh, Middlesbrough there were some Middlesbrough fans going up to Middlesbrough which I was thinking if you do that journey every other week um, fair play because I couldn't do that three three hours on that on that train coach um, yeah it wasn't that many actually uh, Luton were going to Forest as well but oh, yeah. as, as usual I think uh, someone was saying on the way back from Manchester they stopped at the first services and there was just a, a gluttony of sort of different football fans from all over the, the country meeting there so yeah uh, yeah, yeah, I'm glad I wasn't part of that. <laughs> no, you, you, looking on from first class, weren't you, Edmund? Looking on. Yeah. <laughs> it was zooming right past. Yeah. Living a good life. Oh, brilliant. Uh, Brackers, who, who or what is your suggestion then? Uh, four, four, three, two, one, if you can think of one. Uh, I was thinking about the train conductor who let me on, <laughs> but I'm going to give it to Jeffrey Schlupp because I think what uh, what Saturday showed is why Roy Hodgson continues to pick Jeffrey Schlupp in this in this team. Uh, the defensive job that he does for Tariq Mitchell cannot be uh, underestimated. Um, yeah, it, it just adds so much balance to our team, and he should be back for Spurs. Fingers crossed. I don't think he was a million miles away even for for Saturday. So, yeah, I've, someone who probably gets a an, a lot of unnecessary um, stick because okay, he may not be the best at going forward, but in terms of the other side of the game, I don't think you can. I don't think you can judge that whatsoever. So yeah, I'm gonna go with Jeffrey Schlupp. I think that might be our first pick this season for anything like this, even. Even winners and lo- you'd get it occasionally winners and losers of people benefiting in their absence, you know, making a heart grow fonder. That's our first this season, I think, with Jeffrey. That, that I was just checking the list. That is the first award of points to a man not in the squad. Yeah, it's pretty good and, going for Jeff, and that's actually his first points of the season, given that he started every game prior to then. Um, <laughs> says, says quite a lot about win. everything, to be honest. Yeah, wins yeah. with Jeff. There yeah. Yeah, I, I certainly at the time we're short as we are, he, he was missed. I, I think there's been some under par performances this year, but that's because he's been sort of shipped out often as wide of a front three, which I don't think I think I think he's as keen to play there as we are for him. So I think it's just he's been a victim of circumstance and get some unfair stick. I think a lot of I think a lot of people I think Roy's getting unfair stick at the moment. I saw I saw a lot of Vieira revisionism over the weekend because I just, I just thought 
it was short memories and and, and I, it, it annoys me when stuff like this happens. So it's got off piece a bit, but the the idea that we are all very aware and have been aware since probably the summer of we're not getting the players in we need here. It's going to be really tough between now and January at the very least, particularly if there are injuries. And then when the injuries happen, you're like, right, this is really difficult. There's a lot of press. Well, we're asking the manager and the management to do a lot here. I then don't three weeks down the line go, bloody hell, look at the results we're putting out, the state of the management. You go, oh, have you just forgotten? This is all in context. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I think to be kind of trying to twist this as a Roy Hodgson issue, I just thought was madness. And I've almost, I think I've given it too much time, more time than it deserves. But I, I, I think, Joe, what we are going to see as the season goes on, because I suspect the result this weekend will be another difficult one. You know, Spurs are currently playing as we're recording. They could go top tonight. So we could be playing top of the league on Friday night. Um, but what we are going to see over the next few weeks and when results like Saturday happen and I suspect Saturday's result will be repeated again at some point this season simply because the, the issues that we've talked um, about regarding the squad the Patrick Vieira revisionism as you as you describe it is just going to heighten as the season goes mm-hmm. on and there are a lot of good things about Patrick Vieira that first season of, of his with uh, you know the new signings and Conor Gallagher you know being as, as impactful as he was was great some of my happiest times as a, as a Palace fan but there was a reason why the guy was sacked. Like that was not a, a squad in a good place. That that team that walked off at the Amex in in March was a, a squad going absolutely nowhere. And and while I think we probably would have stayed up, it would have been a a far more excruciating experience than it was under Roy. So, you know, whether or not Roy is the right guy for now, who that's a different discussion. But the idea that Patrick Vieira is the man for right now with the limitations in this squad is, is for the birds, as far as I'm concerned. Like I, I don't know what Patrick Vieira would do with this set of players. Minus Wilf, you know, it's... it's. I mean, Conor Gallagher leaving was enough for his entire kind of plans to collapse. Yeah. And we would have got beat by Forrest at home, I think. Yeah. I think we we, Fulham would have done this. Those kind of games, conceding late goals, yes, the the football was fun, but he had the players at the time. And he, albeit a lot of them out of position as well by his own choice, but yeah, I, I just don't think that I can't. I just don't think that's a conversation that should be coming up at the moment. As fondly as I want to remember his time here, I still don't think that that's a serious conversation to be having. Just, but then that's me taking listening to Palace Twitter that, that, that teaches me. <laughs> He's not having a great time at Strasbourg. <laughs> no. Neither are Leon, by the way. Oh. <laughs> Jake O'Brien, credit to him. Playing, playing every playing every week, and I, I'd actually be chuffed for him actually, because it's a big move. It's a brave move, um, but yeah, it's, I never want to do the kind of it could be worse for us kind of situation. But you know, they are um, they're five points adrift from the playoff space in the relegation zone. Like they are entrenched in the relegation spaces right now, Leon, which is staggering. And for anyone that's wondering why we're talking about Leon, obviously the the John's Texan league, yeah. but um, yeah. It's it's a it's a weird one, but yeah, good luck to Jacob Bryan. <laughs> yes, that's, that's the thumbs up well, there. We, we have a sell on on him, so uh, if he does well enough, a fifteen percent sell on. So if he does well enough, fingers crossed, we make a little bit more money than we. Fifteen. Uh, fifteen, yeah, fifteen. Uh, yeah. I misheard. I think it was you on the on the post match pod a couple of weeks ago. I mean, I thought we'd negotiate a fifty percent. Okay. Uh, no, that's reality yeah. check for me then. And I was yeah, thinking, yeah. Oh, go, on then. go on then, Jake. I'm, le- I'm now, I'm now less invested in the Jake O'Brien redemption story. Okay. <laughs> oh gosh. Right. I've, I've been kind of 
killing time trying to think of uh of my three two one pick essentially. I, I was uh treading my it's Jake O'Brien, isn't it? It's Jake O'Brien. <laughs> yeah, um I think I I think I'll give it a nice symbolic one to Mateus Franco. I think uh, it's welcome to the Premier League, welcome to English football. It's great to see him fit. I'm not putting all of my hope into him. I'm not taking the Ballon d'Or clause seriously and hoping that he's going to just run rings around Spurs on Friday. I would even, as much as I actually do think, I actually would want to see him start on on Friday, given the options. I don't think that will be the case, but we'll get into that in part four. Um, but it was just, it was just nice to see him involved and an option. And I think we're going to, due to circumstances, we'll probably see a lot more of him than was planned from the moment he was available for selection. But the way the season's playing out, I think we're going to see a lot more of him than anticipated. And good, uh, honestly, with that bench need, you know, the, some of the subs bench we've been putting out recently have been quite scary, even by some of the standards we've done over the years in the Premier League. We've never had, there's a couple of periods where we had quite strong benches. There's also been some really, really sparse periods too. And I think we might have hit a new low in some of those in recent weeks. So just having him in the team and as an option in the squad is makes some difference. We'll we'll see what how much remains to be seen. But I feel like what well, yeah, just just the fact that he's back and ready that that's that's the point. That's that's how low I'm. That's how much I'm scraping right now. I, so I, I mean, Edmund saw him live, but from the from the the coverage and, and the clips, what I would say that was impressive about him for a guy that's not played any type of football I don't think he might have when you mentioned he may have played some um behind closed door stuff during um the international break against Colchester nah, I'm, sure I'm not sure whether he played in that no uh, I think well, his I mean, first real yeah I think his first real test was Saturday I mean that says it all so the guy's not played football yeah. at all and actually looked at home in a Premier League match so a couple of passes which are a bit underweight couple of first touches which could have been better but if that's the first time the guys kicked the ball competitively for three or four months then wasn't a bad one was it wasn't a bad first 25 minutes so he, yeah he looks really confident really really confident like i know i know we said that newcastle obviously changed their team rested all the good players for for wednesday but he wanted to get on the ball make things happen and uh yeah he's got got really good corner on him as well i think I think it's going to probably take him a little bit of while, a while to kind of really cement his place. It's going to be a little bit like Michael Aluso's first season, in, out, in, out, and kind of... But then when he does really hit the ground running, I think we're going to see why the club have invested so heavily in him. Um, he's got a Ballon d'Or clause in his in his transfer fee. The club think he's going to be a superstar. So, yeah, uh, lots to be excited about with him. And for a first cameo in English football, it was... Uh, I, liked it. I, liked it. I liked a lot of it. Okay, so how should we allocate? We've got Fanso, we've got the Palace away end, and we've got Jeffrey Schlupp. So, <laughs> the, invisible, who, the, the Invisible Man. <laughs> the Invisible Man. So, how how do we how do we divvy? I think we know the winner, but or the winners, shall I say? But uh, who gets? How do we divvy up uh, second and third place? Who gets a point? Who gets two? Is it Mateus or is it Jeff? Can I say that I will have to leave this pod if we end up giving more than one point to a man who didn't play on Saturday? <laughs> like, I, I think, Fair. I think, I think if we say to Mateus, I'm sorry, on a, on a Palace podcast, you got a lesser rating than someone who didn't even travel. <laughs> what well, didn't even travel? <laughs> yeah, all right. No, I'm, okay. I'm, I'll put that yeah. forward. But, um, again, it's hard to argue with that. <laughs> yeah, okay. it is. it's really hard. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
a point to Jeffrey Schlupp, two to Mateus Fransa, and three points, their first points, to the Palace fans. And that means <laughs> that top of, the, top of the league is still Jean-Philippe Mateta with five points. Uh, because that those are Schlupp's first points of the season too, and and Francis as well. So, yeah. You know, so that that means by the time we record next week's episode, which I think Jim's back in the chair for, we'll be recording episodes in November with Jean-Philippe Mateta top of the charts. Oh yeah, you better believe it. <laughs> I feel like we're we're just leaving listeners hanging on the edge of their seat here. Like this is it's like one of the TV dramas being like, "No, nah, this is too far fetched." But this we're is Leicester. This is Leicester winning the league. <laughs> This is this is incredible. Yeah. But do you think like he needs like one stellar performance every six weeks or so where he's just got to get a three because he's he's bagged two or made the difference and we're just gonna be like, well, we've got to give it to him. Yeah. I, I feel like this three two one players really benefit from low expectations. I feel like regular starters don't do so well in this. <laughs> yeah. Bracker's <laughs> Bracker's nomination this week. Yeah, exactly. So uh, yeah, I, I feel like because I, I, I'm trying to think, let me just have a quick glance at it again. Excuse me, apologies, listener. I mean, behind Mateta is Gay, Anderson, Edward with a point, all all four. Then you've got Lerma Decore. Well, Gay's in a twilight. Lerma Decore, Ward, Hughes, Ayu, Johnston, Raksaki on three and twos. It's yeah. There's a lot of points there for. Joe. Joe, just, you just said that Gay is listed twice. Do you think that actually that means Mark Gay should actually be on seven points? I hope so. But <laughs> let, someone's got to someone's got to do the some VAR. I've got to check <laughs> and, and see that's the case. That might really that might really save our bacon. If Listen, it is. we might have an update for you next week. Yeah, yeah, and f- official three to one PGMOL statement. Apologising <laughs> if it is. Yeah, Howard Webb talking to Michael Lovin. Yeah, yeah, we'll, okay. we'll get the recording of JD doing the maths and uh <laughs> release that probably a better listen than this week <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah that's three two one this week um hopefully it's a lot more optimistic and positive on our next episode um and we're going to try and be positive in part four as we look ahead to friday night um the games are coming thick and fast it's that time of year so yeah let's talk spurs after this Five-year plan podcast sponsored by Green King Sports. Palace are on Sky this Friday. We're hosting Tottenham Hotspur, the informed Tottenham Hotspur, who Jack has just alerted me at the time of recording. They've just gone one up against Fulham. Not really what we needed after the weekend. Um, what needs to change, Rackers? Uh Quite a bit. <laughs> I'm not sure how much can change. I'm, I'm gonna. Say I don't think Michael Elise or Everett Jesse will return. Um, I don't think Elise is a million miles away. I think they're both out on the grass. But in terms of what that translates to and when they can be fit, who knows? I mean, last time Elise was on the grass, he suffered a setback. And you don't want to rush these guys back and lose them for even more of the season than they're already going to miss. Um, I think the main thing would be swapping Ayu out to the left to start with. Um, I would start one of Mateus Francher or Jezra and Ratsaki. I'll be interested to see how many minutes Francher plays against um, Monaco's under-21 tomorrow night. Because if he's only going to do 45 minutes for his sort of match fitness, then that would suggest to me that he's, they're thinking about him for Friday. Um, 
I think the, the, the good thing is, is that Spurs are going to be playing tonight and that doesn't give them as much time to really prepare for, for Friday. But that is just a small sort of glimmer of hope that I'm trying to pull from the situation. I, th- yeah. I think we'll go back to a sort of compact sort of looked about things, um, try and get back to the resilient nature that we, we, we discovered and did so well at the start of the season. Um, I'd be interesting to see who leads the line as well and what that sort of looks like. Um, yeah, it's a lot needs to change is, is the answer to that question. <laughs> Jack, given given what Brackers has said there in terms of it probably looks a, a game too soon at very least for Ebbs and Elise, is it more likely to be, given how little has been seen of Francia, that it may be that Rakshaki is more likely to start in your mind? No, I think it, no, I'd probably put Francia ahead of, of Rakshaki, to be honest, simply because of... Um, of that performance on on Saturday, I think you know France uh, has been bought at, at quite an expense, and and if you're you know fitness permitting, and I'll take on on Bracker's point completely about the the minutes that the one or both may get against um, uh, against Monaco at Sutton tomorrow night. But if if it was just to be kind of one versus the other, I, I think you've probably got to play your twenty five million pound summer signing. Um, but yeah, whether it's from the start, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's neither of them, to be honest. Uh, I agree with Brackers, I agree with Selzy in, in the post-match pod. You probably need to freshen it up quite a lot after the, the turnout on, on Saturday. But knowing Roy as we do, um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he sticks with the uh, the, the trusted few, particularly if Jeffrey Schlupp is back. Um, yeah. Another week for, for uh, Jefferson Lerma and, and uh, Chet Decore to get back to, to where they were. Um, you know, had we not had this result at the weekend, I, I'd, I'd actually be thinking, despite Spurs having the fantastic start to the season they've had, I, I would think that we'd, we'd give them a game, but that the confidence has been sapped from from the fan base in particular after Saturday. So, um, you know, we're going into it with very, very low expectations. And as, as we often say on this podcast, that's actually when Palace are at their most dangerous. I just don't know if we had the options particularly with five subs now as we have in the Premier League, that you know, the opposition have almost the luxury to make a couple of wrong subs and, and then kind of recalibrate even within five, ten minutes of making some subs that haven't had the impact. But we haven't really got the scope to make one or two subs, let alone yeah. um, have the luxury of maximising the five allowed. So um, I, I'll take a point right now. <laughs> I yeah. really would. You know, we all, we all probably would. But um, Friday night under the lights could be... Um, could be the making of our new number 11 we'll see wouldn't that just be lovely uh, I, I mean there's listening to that post-match pod you, uh, which came out on sunday uh selzy shared that desire i think he wanted to see france and rakshaki start just because of that need to freshen things up after that uh, i guess it we i think most palace fans have that knowledge of there's the 11 we want to see and there's also an awareness of the 11 that we're likely to see i think though they are tend to be two different things we kind of as you say i think roy trusts those that he trusts raksaki has began to enter that circle of trust judging by some of the quotes which is brilliant um but someone like jeffrey schlup do you think that schlup comes in in where will hughes would be playing or do you think he's going to get shipped out to the left hand side and then maybe edward goes in the middle I mean, I, yes. I don't. Yeah, I, I think that's more than possible. I, I don't think you can really look at that midfield three and think that worked, having been yeah. you know, steamrolled in the first half. But 
I would think with the players that are available, it is possible that Jeffrey Schlatt will just be added to the front three rather than the middle three. Yeah. Not to say that Roy won't, you know, move those players around. Um, but yeah, it could be that Jeffrey Schlatt comes in for Jean-Philippe Mateta, Odson Edouard goes back in the middle and, and Jordan Ayew, you know, goes back, or not, not goes back, he, he carries on playing there. Um, you know, recency bias is a funny thing. You you got to recall that Jordan Ayew's been very good so far this yeah. season. Yeah. And he had a very very poor first half on on Saturday, but you know a lot of the team did. I, I don't think I'd be agreeing for him to drop out of the team right away. He's one of the players that, with the options that we've got available to us, can actually get us up the pitch and win a foul, um, take the pressure off a little bit. So I, I think actually dropping him might be a bit bit of a mistake, but it needs freshening up for sure. And you've only got limited options in terms of who you can drop and replace and Jordan I is one of them so it's not beyond the realms of possibility that he will um, will be dropped but I would be very very surprised if Jordan I doesn't start on Saturday but who knows he could go centrally he 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 could have seen so little from Odson Edward and Jean-Philippe Mateta on Saturday that that maybe both um, start Friday night on the bench yeah. it would be harsh on Edward given that he's got four goals so far this season but um, you know four and five at the start of the season looked particularly impressive Um Four in, what is it, nine now? Looks you know, slightly less impressive. So, you know, those goals that he scored in the first part of the season shouldn't justify his never-ending place in the team. Albeit he missed he missed a game or two, didn't he? So I don't want to you know, suggest that his goal-scoring record is worse than it is. But, yeah, I'm intrigued to see what happens. But we're going to play against a very, very good Spurs team. And I don't know what either of you have made of Spurs, but they've really surprised me. Joe, you, your thoughts on Spurs? Yeah, very confident. I think... The style of play has been slightly overplayed just because of how poor they've been to watch. As a thing to Spurs fans, I know, I think the spectacle that Mourinho and Conte produced, I think it was so dour that something, even just kind of a competent Spurs side, has been seen as kind of this breath of fresh air. Um, their worry, I guess, like ours, is, is their strength in depth, I think. One, I think one defender removed from Spurs' team, and I think there's a belief from their side that it all falls to pieces. They're kind of, I guess they're they're where we are, where we were probably six weeks, eight weeks ago. Kind of the injuries haven't happened yet, but they're um, dreading them coming. But I mean, look, they're in they're in great form. If you if you can't enjoy, if you're a fan of them, you can't and you can't enjoy your your side top of the league without a European distraction. It's the the best they've looked for a long time and yeah. I do fear confident confident sides taking striding into Celeste. I love you know all the Celeste under the light stuff doesn't quite carry the weight it used to anymore um, I think Spurs generally have quite an okay record against us at Celeste so I yeah I I, I would take a draw absolutely I, I, I think a, a win would really kind of change the it would be the mood changer we needed through all the kind of backs against the wall siege mentality that we've had over the last few weeks i think we've actually built up quite a good spirit but it just takes one result like that to just remove it really quickly it only takes one game to remove all the good work that's been done over a long period of time and i think it, the only way to grab that back probably would be a surprise palace win but yeah i'm not i'm not my my fingers are crossed. I'm not. I'm, I'm not. Wouldn't be laying money on it. Put it that way. Um, what Brackers? What's your kind of? Where Where do you think the games have be won and lost on on Friday? Uh, well, they have Son, Richarlison, um, some very good fullbacks and some very good midfielders, and James Madison is 
been excellent since he's joined. So if they're on form, I'm not really too sure what we can do against that. You just got to defend and, and hope. Yeah, uh, cross. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, I'll take a nil nil. I'll take a nil nil going into it now. And I think we're, I think we're going to look a lot more compact than we did on Saturday. I'm sure there will be a copious amount of sort of tactical work and shape work done in training this week. And uh, yeah, Roy's not going to lament the players or lambast them for what happened on Saturday. He's not going to hang them out to dry. He didn't even do it post-match. He was, he said we fell woefully short of what he thought was going to happen and he needs to investigate why that happened. And I'm sure, I'm sure they've already worked out what's happened. And uh, with Jeffrey Schlapp coming back into the team, sort of solidifies that left-hand side a little bit more. It's just the main problem for me is the creativity. There's just not enough of it when, at the moment, because of Elise and, and Eze being out. So you have to start one of Jez or, or Francia to someone who's just going to give and go and try and do something, you know. And yeah. as bad as it sounds, the Spurs defenders aren't going to know what foot Jezza and Rastaki is going to put it on or what foot Mateus Francia is going to put it on when he goes to the byline. And when Jordan Ayew does, they know he's going to look, he's not going to cut back onto his left, he's going to go straight down and try and cross it on his right. So yeah. it's just that air of unpredictability that we need back in the team. Totally. It's one, one goal in four league games now, I believe. And yeah, one in five. One in five, yeah. sorry. And then in you all look competitions. At- Right, and then you look ahead to, you've got Burnley next weekend, and I, I I kind of like the idea of us being a little bit more aware of what those two younger players can offer ready for that game. I don't want us to be still asking questions. I, I kind of like the Spurs game to be an opportunity to learn a lot more about them in time for that, so that they're used and utilised properly, rather than as a kind of a roll of the dice. Because I think we're going to need we're going to need something at Burnley to get the goals, not necessarily to in a defensive play, but we, we're going to need to score from somewhere. <laughs> we really do. The three, um, the three after this, uh, Burnley away, Everton at home, Luton away. So like, depending on where we are off, let, let's see where we're at. So, <laughs> sorry, listener, just, just, just while you hope we were coming to the end, um, you know, to look ahead that the, I, I hadn't really thought about that point. You just made about seeing more of these boys before Both those games. games. Yeah, and actually, yeah, you've sold me. It's all on them. It's all on those two now. So yeah, get them no started. pressure. No pressure. Get David Ozo in there while we're trying as well. So yeah. you know, um, yeah, those. Yeah, you. You almost hope that the performance, um, and hopefully it can't be much worse than Saturday's, but the performance needs to um, to be a lot better. The result will take care of itself on 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 Friday. We either get a, a great point or a, a magnificent win. Um, but the chances are it might not go our way. But what we need is to really turn up. So we go into the the three next fixtures with with something to look at rather than two horrendous performances around. Hopefully we can just park yeah. St James's Park where it needs to be parked and uh, yeah, look ahead. Yeah, what's it that Tremolo's really flake kind of twee kind of Facebook memes and stuff? Yesterday's history, tomorrow's a mystery. That's how we got to look at Palace fans. <laughs> There's, there's this week's title, JD. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Let's with some sign of sparkle, sign emo- like starry emojis. And either side I was thinking of more of it. Well. That sounds more on a beach. Okay. Yeah, we yeah. could do that too. And yeah. uh, let's just, yeah, let's let's. T- I mean, uh, to be fair, the Palace faithful going into a game like Friday night, they're not going to let us down in terms of they'll they'll bring the noise. We'll generate the right atmosphere to cater to a strong Palace performance but yeah there's still a lot of work between that and the actual delivery of that so we can just cross our fingers for now hope for the best hope for some uh, more returning players and uh, for Roy to have 
calm, calm down a little bit and do what he does best. Um, <laughs> right, that concludes a, a bumper five-year plan podcast. I feel like I, I always make these drag on. My, my apologies, listener, if you're trying to fit these into your commute. Um, you've got some extra time here. But thank you, Edmund Brack, for joining me, as always. And Pleasure. Uh, thank you for having me. No, pleasure. And uh, Jack Pierce, thank you very much. I'll thank you. you thank again you, soon. Nicely navigated through choppy waters. Thank you. The, the choppiest. I'm going to just go dry myself off. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, if you're a Patreon subscriber, we'll catch you at the post-match pod. If not, see you next week. Thanks very much. Podcast Network.